Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Five Property Show this Saturday morning. We're going to be doing the Buy to Let Tax Update. Now, this, Jim, is, is really a no-nonsense guide, and we're going to go through current rates, allowances and things, but I think the main thing is, and we spoke about this through the week, Jim, people are kind of uncertain and tax implications and things, especially for landlords and investors, and everybody just wonders, is it really worthwhile, inv property investment and things? And tax is a big part of that, so we're going to cover that this morning. Uh, we are live. Please keep it interactive, guys. Jim's streaming on TikTok. He's streaming on Instagram as well, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fire in questions. We will try and answer them. If we go, if they're relevant, if not, we'll do it at the end. Yeah. But yeah. keep it interactive, guys. Um, yeah, so tax, Jim, you want to give us a wee bit of... Um, tax season's always been my thing because, you yeah. know, I'm an accountant by trade anyway. I excelled in tax at um, college and my mm -hmm. HND. I was, you know, ended up getting a distinction at um, it's just so structural. It's so logical the way tax works. However, a lot of a lot of would-be investors and so-called you know furus and yeah. and uh, and gurus out there, I uh, all go about banding about these numbers. You know about how much you can make in property, but the reality is you've got to take into account tax as well. Yeah. Admittedly, I get people saying to me over the years when I've spoken to them about wealth creation, even. Oh, but is that going to affect my tax? And it's like, you're done right, it's going to affect your tax. Because obviously, <laughs> if you're earning more money, you'll be paying more tax. Yeah. And, it's, and it's like, you know, it's a necessary, God, it's a, it's a necessary evil. Let's be honest. Um, because it's, 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 essential to, it's essential to make sure that you obviously pay your tax in order to help the system run. You know, how that runs another story, that's political. But you need to have tax and the government needs to raise tax in order to run the economy and run all the services. So just remember next time when you get squeezed for a bit more tax, there's a reason behind it. Yeah. Because it's to help other people. But yeah. Less less well off than you, more than likely. Yeah, if there's changes in tax, or like you say, you're being, you feel like you're being squeezed for more tax, there's a reason for that. And it's, and it's obviously to benefit somebody else, mm -hmm. um, obviously, in the system. So... Yeah, and there is a bigger picture of tax, but we're not get, we're not we're not going to get into it's that. A huge minefield. Tax is a huge minefield. Um, there's you can get you can you can have the simple you know EDS, which is additional dwelling supplement, which is the six percent in Scotland, four percent in England. That's one of the first things we're going to talk about. Three percent yeah. that. So we'll we'll all talk about that. But to the point of actually using LLPs to um, rebase your capital gains in order to transfer all your stock in your name over the three-year period to a limited company with no tax implications at all. Do you want to just clarify what LLPs are for people that aren't uh, to? Limited liability partnerships. Um, so that's that's another way. Um, the I mean, when you get to that stage, that's the that's the wealthy. That's the super wealthy people that actually understand how to use that. And 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 this is all tested at, you know, um, barrister level and Q, Queen, Queen's Council level QCs. Um, so, so it's another way in order to mitigate your tax liability. We're not going to go into it in this because that's a bit in depth. That, that yeah. bit. but it's just to just to give you an example of the broad spectrum of the tax implications about how you could do things. Also, using trusts as well. You know, another way to avoid inheritance tax later on by using a trust. Um, again, this is all specialist subjects. We'll not cover it here. But the things that we're going to cover here um, is basically stamp duty. Uh, and land tax, um, mortgage interest relief. Uh, a lot of people actually don't realise how mortgage interest relief actually works and the deduction in your name and also in a limited company 
partnership or, or a limited liability partnership as well, um, income tax, capital gains tax and corporation tax as well. Um, so there has been a lot of changes to the way landlords are taxed over the years. I mean, things like um, the wear and tear allowance, which nobody knows about because it's gone now. It's gone now, yeah. You used to get wear and tear allowance at 10% right off your top line if you were doing furnished properties. And hence the reason why I did furnished properties. And and it was because it was a good lucrative tax break. Yeah. And lo and behold, it's gone. Um, uh, what else? Capital, capital allowances, um, which actually said uh, you can get up to 60% capital allowances if you hold your properties for a period of time, is now gone. It's just a straightforward 18 and 28%. Again, we'll, we'll probably talk about this in a bit of detail later on. And um, so these are all the things you've got to be aware of that no longer exist. Um, principal private residence relief, that's another one. It's like, it still exists, but in a, in a smaller state, in a smaller, a smaller way it's done. Um, these are all ones that you need to be aware of we might touch on them, but I don't think we'll touch on them too much. We're, we're going to stick to the main ones. So there's plenty of confusion, leaving some questioning whether buy to let is actually really worth the investment. Yeah. Uh, newsflash, folks, you're going to pay this tax regardless of what you're doing. So the reality is, whether you make money in buy to let or whether you make money in you know another area as well, it's kind of you're going to be nailed with the tax. The only things you need to be aware of in buy to let is the unique taxes which are there as buy-to-let taxes. That's what you're needing to be aware of. Some of the other stuff doesn't matter. Really like corporation tax, and we will cover it anyway, and capital gains tax, because you know they're pretty obvious. Um, the answer is very much a personal choice if you want to continue to be in buy-to-let or, or worthwhile investment. Um, and having a complete clarity is a great place to start when deciding on your future investments. Um, whether you're already in rental property or you're planning to buy or sell one, the changes in policy will, will will affect all these different areas that we've talked about. So if you're completely unsure or sure of the latest rules and, and how to claim back your allowable expenses, um, this is for you, definitely. This is definitely for you. You should be tuning in. You should be getting out a notepad and pen. And if you're just going to say you run our podcast, you should be getting out a notepad and pen now because there's things here that you'll want to remember and you'll think, oh, I'll remember that. But you won't, more than likely, because if you're like me, you don't. It's a classic example with when you go to your bed at night and you wake up at one o'clock in the morning, you think, that's a great idea. Uh, I'll remember that in the morning. Fucker. <laughs> Yeah, that's you know, in the morning thing. What was that idea again? <laughs> it's amazing how it just disappears, and, and you try and you try to think, Oh, I'll come back to me later on. But no, so I actually oh. get up at one o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning and go and start and write down some notes before I go back to sleep again because <laughs> that, yeah. that's how you that's the, that's the time that you're probably the most creative because there's nothing going on in your mind. And then what happens is you go into a dream state, and your dream state actually begins to work out your psychology and uh, in your mind and and get rid of all the knots and the nooks and crannies that were built up during the day and the stress yeah. and that's why you end up dreaming to get rid of that so if you don't dream you've got problems <laughs> yeah, yeah i think in a, and in that state i think you start to appreciate the, the power of your mind and then you wake up and it's just white noise again but yeah. um <laughs> yeah but yeah like you say jim there's uh, a lot to cover this morning i think it's important that Although we've got this blog and you will be able to read that, what Jim and I speak about today, Jim will draw a lot of experience and things. So there's things on here that you could listen to and take notes for. So definitely do that. First for me, I think, and I think a lot of people is stamp duty and land tax is, is an important yeah. one with the changes in that. 
over the last year. And I mean, if, if you've already owned your home in the UK, you'll pay a supplement along with the stamp duty whenever you buy another property. So it's your second home if you've mm-hmm. already got an initial residence. Now, the, the extra costs are different from England and Scotland and Wales. Wales, not Wales. Uh, so make sure your budget correctly whenever you're buying a property. Now, the additional rates are, for Scotland now, it used to be 4%. This changed, obviously, last year, just before uh, the, the turn there at 6%. So for any property over 40,000, you're going to pay an extra 6% on top if it's a second home purchase. So in England, Northern Ireland, it's 10%. Yeah, so just, we'll stop in Scotland tonight, we'll yeah, that Scotland. Trade away for a purchase price over 40 grand. So if you're buying something, it's very rare to get something under 40 grand, but you can't get it. So if you're buying yeah. something over 42,000, just put 2,500 or whatever as fixture and fittings included in the purchase price. Therefore, the price of the property is actually 39500 and that will not have EDS on it. Because fixtures like people don't know that, Jim. Isn't classed as part of that purchase. So if if your owner wants a bit, you know, your seller wants a wee bit more than the 40000 and you're like, "Mm, I can't do that because of this, just fixtures and fittings is fine. Um, The the tax is okay with that. They're fine with that. If it's, if it's, yeah. It can't be 10,000 out of 40,000, by the way. <laughs> unless, you've got, unless you've got a summer lodge out the back. Yeah. You know, like a summer lodge, a log cabin or something like that, you know, fair enough. You could you could class it as that because that isn't part of the actual uh, land and buildings. Yes. Because remember, it's a land and building transaction tax. It's not it's not a, a land and buildings lodge transaction tax or, or anything like that. So if you're paying, if you're paying, if you want a wee bit extra for that, then do that. So you, there, there is chances. But then if you buy for under £40,000, then you're going to have a problem have trying to, to remortgage that. Have, yeah. yeah it's going to have, have to more likely be cash. It'll have to be my, cash. Because no mortgages, mortgages are usually about the fifty grand mark. There's no mortgage lender out there that will do that. So that's that's the problem um, with this. There's, they don't want to do anything over that. I experienced this when I first started out. I think it was 30000 or less. So if you had a property that you were buying for less than £30,000, I mean, I was buying about nine and ten grand yeah and 12 grand for a for a, for a three-bedroom flat so the reality was there was no way i was ever going to get a mortgage so i had to go to a corporate lender straight away like the bank of scotland it was the bank of scotland actually and they then gave me a facility and uh, they allowed me to buy on the facility itself um and a facility means we're going to give you up to a hundred thousand fill your boots and um, once you've done that on, a, on an overdraft uh, then we'll just transfer the overdraft into a, a term loan over a period of 20 years, and that's the terms of the term loan. So that's how I did it in the very beginning. Uh, there is other ways to do this as well, as potentially a bridging loan. Mm-hmm. So you potentially, if, if there's a lot of value in there and you're getting it really below the market value of the £40,000, then you could essentially bridge it for that period of time. So bridgers, bridging companies, the, the ones that exist now, love the fact that they can take security on the property, they know what you're doing. You have to have a track record. You can't just go to a bridger and go, Ken, I'm just, I just feel like doing this. <laughs> it sounds like a great idea. And you've got no coherent strategy about how you're going to do anything. It's just like anybody. You've got to you've got to have a wee sort of business, a mini business plan about where this is going, what you're doing, and what, what you're expecting to get out of this. Uh, if they are convinced of that, then they'll bridge it for that, for that six-month period. It might be shorter than that, depending on what lender will, will, will come in after that and uh, mortgage the property for you. So if you're not, there's a classic of using bridgings, bridger loans. You're maybe not going to be able to purchase the property without the bridger. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. So you're better having 50% of something than 100% of nothing. Nothing, yeah. Yeah. So that's what it is. So, I mean, they take a, they take a fair whack. But if you're going to have nothing anyway, and potentially if you've got a 40 grand and you could make 60 grand when you remortgage it, then the bridger might be a great idea. Because yeah. when you get the mortgage out, you can pay the bridger off, you can pay the, and then you're, 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 you've, you've got the property. You wouldn't have had it otherwise. And then over the long term, the 15 to 20 years, it appreciates in capital and provides you with an income to reinvest back into the property and other properties round about it. So that's the that's the point of the 40,000, um, the, the over the 40,000 for the 6% EDS. But if you buy under 40,000 or under 50,000 and it works out with the numbers, again, it's all about the numbers. If it works out with the numbers, then you can you can potentially get them involved. Or you could potentially get someone else involved, like one of your family and friends. Because yeah. that, that isn't covered by the FCA. Joint venture, yeah. That, that's not covered by FCA. So because it's family and friends. Um, if you're going to the public, the general public, then that is covered by the FCA. There's specific rules that cover that, and you could be held to account and liable and and, and potentially prosecuted for criminal liability. Um, so you've got to be aware of that as well, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Just just to say, step slightly on the bridging side of things. Bridging isn't something that you've ever really used, Jim. But as you just demonstrated there, it is um, maybe the right choice for somebody no, no. in the right situation. I'll give you an example of how I have bridged. Right. I've I know used, you have I've, used it. But it's not something predominantly. I've like used I've used some of my other companies to provide the funding. Yeah, to leverage your position. Yeah. To allow that to happen, and then when I went to get the mortgage on it, then I would get the mortgage, get the money back out, and then pay the money back to my other company. So I've become my own bridger. It's an yeah. easy way to do it. So I've become, an, I've become my own bridger by using my own finance from other areas. Um, and you can do that. You can even create your own set, sort of bank. I mean, in the early days, uh, Kevin Green, you know, secret millionaire, Kevin Green mm -hmm. actually taught me to do that. You know, you can you can have your own bank and loan money to yourself at rates, and then actually pay you know pay that back, and actually actually it's a it's a good tax efficient way to do things. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, Marcus is saying there bridge, and then later on buy to let. He's saying he bought for thirty nine ninety five, and then six months later remortgaged for sixty four once. Mm. So yeah. So I'd be nervous if you find for thirty nine 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 five. Immediately, you flag yourself up in the system with HMRC and go, mm, "Let's have a quick look at that," because that seems a bit suspicious. It's just five quid below. I would. I, that's why I said five hundred pound below. Yeah. Um. For that. For that reason. But if, if you've not got any fixtures above that, then Marcus and you've bought it for that, then that's fine. But if you do yeah. the fixtures thing, make sure it's a wee bit below. Um, because it's it's pretty obvious what you're doing, and if, if they just go, oh, that will single that yeah, one. They might, might pick you out. Yeah, yeah. What was these fixtures? Uh, mm, there was there was an old cooker left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it can be done, but uh, yeah, so it was a bit below. You see, but anyway. So the six percent in Scotland, yeah, and England and Northern Ireland at three percent, uh, and. Wales, it's four percent on any purchase. Now there is ways and means, and you just obviously pointed out there, Jim, that we could do the fixtures from certain things. But what about multiple property purchase as well? Because that is one way to get around the strategy. And and we done this last year. Um, did we do this a couple of times? Did you do this? A couple yeah, of times? I've, I've been nailed for I've been nailed for multiple dwellings relief, and uh, it does come into play. I'm buying thirty just now, all at once. Mm -hmm. um, and my, my multiple dwellings relief bill will be £20,000. 
Yeah, and that's okay with me. I mean, it's I have it now factored into it. But if you took about if you took the ADS and just had the ADS still in existence, I know it's over six properties, and I thought, yeah, I'm not paying an ADS. And then multiple dwellings relief came in; it's twenty grand. But ADS is one hundred fourteen thousand. So, so I would rather I'd rather pay the the multiple dwellings relief than that. So multiple dwellings relief is a different thing. It's a commercial thing. Um, and this is it, it, when you're buying a huge substantial portfolio, it's viewed as a commercial transaction rather than a residential transaction. And that's why MDR, MDR actually come in, comes into play. So if you're buying two, uh, two to five residential properties in one transaction, it may qualify for the MD, MDR, um, but you've, you've got to check with your solicitor. Alternatively, buying six or more homes, mixed use property like shops or flats above, can attract cheaper non-residential rates, exactly what I'm talking about now. If I did MDR on residential, my bill was going to be something like £78,000, but because it's classed as commercial, even though it's residential properties, mm -hmm. it's twenty grand. So yeah, you need so to be there's there's so, different there's there's difference depending on where you're looking at to expand. So if you're if you're unsure about that and you want a bit more detail, then I would actually speak to an accountant on it. Yeah. So speak to an accountant, but also speak to your solicitor and get one or two opinions. Um I when I went to the solicitor in the beginning, the solicitor said it was 78 grand. And I went, Are you sure? And I went to another solicitor and said to them, and they went, No, no, it's 20 grand because it's a commercial transaction. And then I went back to the other solicitor and said, Is this not a commercial transaction? And they went, Oh, you're right. <laughs> it's like so, so, so if you had to question that. Yeah, if I hadn't questioned that, I would have had to pay seventy-eight thousand pounds completely unaware that that could have been that was the case. And, and no one would have been any of the different. And no the HMRC wouldn't have gone, oh, you've overpaid us no, by no. 50, 50 odd thousand pounds. They never would have done that because that's no like the HMRC just don't do that. So if I hadn't questioned that and I hadn't checked with another source, then I would never have known that. So, you know, um, I, I take my heart off to the people I use, but I use specific people because I can trust them. But I do use one or two to make sure I can bounce one off against the other to make sure they're both singing on the same sheet. And um, Now, the reason I do that is because in accountancy, well, as an accountant, there was differences of opinions about how the law was interpreted in terms of tax and what was what was allowable and what wasn't allowable, and it's all down to sometimes case law. Now, case law sets precedents in terms of taxation policy. So even though the uh, even though the rules say one thing, you could actually get them interpreted another way, which is applicable to you, which means that you might not have to play by these rules in taxation. Hence the reason why I talk about conversion of LLP, rebasing the capital gain assets, in order to mitigate your capital gain liability and rebase it and class it as what is effectively your capital gain would be end up being a loan from you to the company. Yeah. And you have no liability to HMRC. That's how the wealthy avoid taxes. Say, yeah. <laughs> now, tax avoidance is perfectly legal, remember. This is as using long, the legislation. As long as it's, it's done correctly. Yeah, it's tax evasion. It's criminal. Yeah, and there's a big difference in that, obviously. A couple, a couple of questions. Um, somebody yeah. actually said, uh, any experience of buy-to-let in Spain? Yes, I did buy in Spain. However, I didn't let it. I ended up changing my mind and using it as my own home. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like I bought it and I thought, there's no way I'm renting this. Um, and I've had it for about 20 years. Um, so, 
just uh, a wee bit more. Have you any properties impact to the climbing scandal? Do you have any properties impacted by climbing scandal? Um, uh, no, is the answer to that. Do you have any properties of what? Sorry, I'm... impacted by the cladding scandal. Oh, um, right, no, right. because I don't buy properties like that. I make sure I do my due diligence, and I don't buy anything that's going to be risky. Uh, I'm not a risk person. I'm pretty risk adverse. Although you see a podcast that I did a few years ago called Monte Carlo or Bust. <laughs> and that's all about that's but they used to be a motto. That's all I've always but it is still my motto. Is, yeah. um, and 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 then I do have a I do have a look. I, I have a Wall Street bull here because <laughs> I am I'm a, I'm effectively a, an optimist um, and going for it all the time. Um, so I actually keep that as my wee moment, my wee motto and the fact that I'm I'm bull, bullish about everything. Um, yeah. I can see opportunity every single time, even when people see um, pessimism and uh, and no opportunity at all. I could see the opportunity. I I I could. It's just one of these things you become. Um, you, you almost program your brain to see every single yeah. time. So as soon as something pessimistic comes up, I go, "There's the opportunity right in front of me." That's a, that's a really good, and we'll not get we'll not get too into wealth creation kind of show stuff. But that's a really good mindset to be in. I think I spoke to you the other day about how easy it is for even myself just to slip into that kind of pessimistic approach yeah. to things. Um, so, yeah, it's good to keep yourself in that positive mindset. But, um, yeah. Mortgage interest relief. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, yeah, for, for landlords with no mortgage, and there's, there is a lot of them, the, mm -hmm. the recent changes to mortgage interest relief will make no difference to their monthly income. Yeah. So, however, if you do have a mortgage, uh, on your rental property. The policy changes that begun in 2020 and the budget have now reached their final phasing. Section so, 24 of the Finance Act. Yeah. So private landlords could previously claim all of their mortgage in uh, interest as an expense, but they have now changed to a flat rate of 20%. So how does that work? Let me tell you how that works. Okay. So normally in accountancy rules, in accountancy land, what happens is your sales minus your costs, minus your mortgage interest, brings out your profit. What they're doing now, and your profit is what you're taxed on, okay? What they're doing now is the sales minus your costs, your profit, you're taxed on, then you get 20% credit to take off of your mortgage interest. Right. Okay? So, it, so mortgage interest has no bearing anymore on your profit anymore. So in other words, you can see if you've got £70,000 of mortgage interest, you have to earn about £70,000 just to break even. Mm -hmm. or, you've, or you'll not break even. So you've got £70,000, you've got to earn £70,000 in profit to break even. So you'll be taxed in the new rules on, on the £70,000 in profit. So you'll be a higher rate payer straight away. Under the old system, you were earning zero profit, so you wouldn't be taxed on anything. And then you're given under the old under the new system, you're given the twenty percent taking off. So some of that of the seventy thousand pound will fall into the higher rate tax bracket, but you're only getting twenty percent of that off instead of forty percent. Therefore, that twenty percent you'll be left paying. This is how when I was taken, I was used as a test case for the Treasury Select Committee. Roger Mullen and I got together, and Roger was on the committee, and he took it as an example. Because when it was first announced, I think it was in 2016, I then worked out my tax position if I, if I actually broke even. And it, and it actually meant that I was going to pay £5,000 in, in tax, even though I wasn't making any money. 
And this was meant to affect one in four landlords. So we thought this was a problem, and Roger took it to the Treasury Select Committee and says, look, I've got a landlord here, case study. We want you to look at this in six months' time to see how it's affected some landlords, the one in four. And the Treasury Select Committee said, yeah, it's what it is, we're no bothered. <laughs> but but it highlighted at that time the the and the you know the inequality in the taxation system and how we'd been segregated um for that you know to and, and vilified and pinpointed and and picked on as a as a as an, a way to raise more money for the for the exchequer um and to get more money in and just by changing it for us now this thing about oh it's fair because normal homeowners don't you know they don't get a deduction from their from their, their 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 income against their mortgage interest, and it's like, but well, they're, they're not running a business. business. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say they're not running a business. Yeah, but the the European Court of Human Rights or whatever it was when they when they took it as a test case, um, said, no, nah, but you know, you're absolutely right. It stands. <laughs> it's like really, yeah, wow. And it's the first time in history that accountancy rules have been actually turned on their head and completely ignored. Where you know. Sales minus costs equal profit. It's no longer the case when it comes to buy to let. Only if it's in your name, your uh, the next name question. and so, you have a mortgage. Yeah. So the next question was, what about a limited company and, and mortgage rates and things? So if you've got a limited company, can you still claim back the mortgage interest as an allowable expense? Yes. Yeah. And the reason that they've left limited companies out, and I, I would, this is an assumption, but I know this. Um, the reason that they've left limited companies out in the, is because if you affect limited companies with a mortgage interest, then the ramifications for all limited companies in Britain, PLCs as well, is would be horrendous. It would affect yeah. them as well. So you've got have nothing to do with property or they've maybe got their property and they use it to run their business from, you know, talk example like five properties, we own our own properties and we rent our properties to ourselves. Therefore, but we would pay mortgage interest on it as well. Therefore, that mortgage interest would be would not be deductible under the rules, and that would just throw the whole system into chaos. That would bring our economy to almost a grinding halt in, in terms of businesses. So that's why it didn't affect limited companies. And that's why a lot of people are actually wanted to change the limited companies later on. Uh, I've got a, I've got a question there. So if you have a mortgage, is if if you're if you have a if your mortgage is a hundred thousand. You get 20 k tax free. No, That's it's nice. not based on your mortgage. It's based on your mortgage interest. So if your if your mortgage is a hundred thousand, and we'll say for let's say it's ten percent interest rate you're paying on it, you're literally a hundred thousand ten percent interest on it. You're ten thousand pound a year in interest you're paying on that mortgage. You'll get twenty percent of that ten thousand pound as a deduction. So in other words, two thousand pounds. But what happens is, if it's in your name, that ten thousand pound can't come off your costs. It has to come off as a tax credit at the end, before your after your profit's calculated, and your tax on your profit. So if your profit is fifty thousand pound and your tax, for example, is you know um, your tax is on fifty thousand pound and make it easy, say twenty percent of fifty thousand is uh, actually it wouldn't be it'd be about 20 percent of um 40 because you'd have an allowance so we'll just say 20 percent of forty thousand, and then the next ten thousand would be taxed at 40 percent. 
So you see how that is. So you've got a you've got a ten thousand tax at forty percent there. So you're paying twenty thousand. You're paying twenty percent more in tax on that ten, extra ten thousand, but you're only getting twenty percent of that forty off. So you actually end up you end up paying two thousand pound extra in tax because it's in your name. If it's like that, so hopefully that's explained it. I know it's no easy to explain it, but you know there is there. If you look at our playlist on our wealth creation show, I actually go through that in a bit of detail because we do have a show specifically on tax and yeah. how that affects people. It's um, actually I've actually as we come to talk, if you look through the blog that will be attached to this, I've actually put the link to our um, landlord tax tips uh, blog that we've done previously, and it'll have the oh, show and everything. Yeah, so landlord tax tips on our Facebook page on this one. It's running. Unfortunately yeah. for um, uh, TikTok, we don't, we can't do that because it's limited about the amount of information you can put in there. Yeah. So the landlord tax tips um, is on our blog, which is on our YouTube channel. It's streaming right now in our playlist for the weekly um, property shows. Um, so you'll see that right now, and it's called. It's called uh, the the show is actually called. Um, buy to let tax updates the no nonsense guide to current rates and allowances um so he said if you've got one buy to let is it more cost effective to set up a limited company or not it all depends on your personal circumstances and it's not something that i could answer just by a yes or no answer um, yeah because, because if you're a higher rate payer it might be advantageous if you're just a basic rate payer and this doesn't push you into the basic rate then it probably won't be advantageous um, if you're paying the same interest rate um, for your for your mortgage, which is more than likely what it is now, by you know limited companies and sole traders are, are same interest rate levels nowadays. The the mortgage companies don't distinguish. So if you're in your own name and you're you're more or less paying the same rate and you're not a high rate payer and this won't push into high rate payer territory then the answer to that is probably just stick with where you are. But if your plan is to build it for the future, then then you'd probably want to put it in a limited company now and actually do that. But there's additional costs involved with a limited company. It's the year in the counts. Yeah, I was just going to say that, Mark. And I think that will answer Marcus's question as well, because he said, so would you advise to move to personal, my personal buy to let to my company? So the company owns it as an asset? Or as the, an problem asset. Is, the problem is moving it to a limited company now you means you've got to pay 6% EDS. Yeah, you'll pay the tax so on that. I quite cleverly was able to move six at a time, so I didn't pay EDS. And I also bought sometimes, I moved three, and then I bought maybe three from the open market, and I, I got them to transact all at the same time. So I didn't need to pay EDS when I transferred the three in my own name to the limited company. Plus the fact you had generous allowances like twelve thousand five hundred in capital gains tax, which we're going to talk about. Previously, it's now been reduced to six, and it'll now be reduced to three. I think next year, um, so they're all disappearing as well. So it's almost coming to the point where it's no, it's, it's no worth putting it in your name anymore. It's probably just better just putting a limited company. But the, the government wants you to do that because it's easily traceable for them, and there's no doubt about um, hiding anything. You know, because you can you can still easily hide stuff in your own name. You know, if you're if you're savvy enough, you can do that. Um, I, I don't care what anybody says because the people that truly money launder are are not following the money launder rules. Newsflash! <laughs> In case anybody didn't realise that, the people that truly money launder aren't following the money launder rules. What? They have to follow the rules. They're criminals. <laughs> they don't care about the rules. Yeah, it's like amazing how people actually think they'll follow the rules and we'll catch them. No, we won't. 
Um, it, so my advice in a nutshell for this is speak to an accountant about your personal position and explain everywhere where you are right now what you expect to be earning and they'll be able to advise you what different scenarios will cost you in tax of where you are right now if you've got a limited company or you run it in your own name and how much tax you would pay each time. Classic is if you're earning 33,000 a year, I said that because that's the average salary. If you're earning 33,000 a year, then, and you've got your buy to let position, 33,000 a year you're earning, buy to let position in your own name and in a limited company, work out the tax in two scenarios and then decide. That's an easy way to do it. Because your your thirty three thousand is no changed. It's just your limited company and your sole trader. So you're just taking it in isolation and saying, which one would be best in taxation principles? If I worked out the two scenarios, and if the limited company comes out better, it's like that's the one to go for. If the sole trader comes out better, that's more likely one to go for. But that's in an ideal world. Circumstances change. You get a higher paid job. You get a lower paid job. You maybe you can't afford to to have your buy to let anymore. You have to offload it and sell it. Um, they're all different things that you have to think about for the future um, if this is what you're wanting to do. My principle is I'm holding it till I die and then it passes to my children. Yeah. Well, I'll pass to my children before I die. Um, yeah. and so that's my scenario and that's how I plan everything um, in terms of that. Mary said there exactly why I'm about to sell up after 20 years. Mary, it'd be interesting to hear what your actual story is. If you could reach out, maybe we could give you some advice, point in the right direction. Um depending on what your circumstances are. But how much, yeah, how much do you say you have to save up to buy your first house to let? 100,000 house? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. You could buy 100,000 pound with nothing. What that one out? It can be done. Yeah. That's another story. It, is, it does exist. You can actually, you can be quite creative in actually buying a 100,000 pound house with nothing. You don't need to save anything up at all. But that's another show, and and it's entirely that's a huge thing, and that involves things like bridging companies as well. You know that can be done that way. How much does it cost to run a limited company annually for accounts? Eh, I think a couple of hundred quid. If you do, if you do all the donkey work, here's the answer to this: If you do all the donkey work in your accounts, in other words, do your day to day stuff, it's easy to do that because if you run everything through your bank account, all the transactions through your bank account, and you don't involve yourself in cash, you just use your switch card or your debit card every single time then everything's traceable through your bank account. So it's easy for an accountant to look at your bank accounts, you know, yeah. for that. And don't mix it up with your own personal bank account. Get a separate bank account. And then then you've got everything, all your transactions in there. You've got your rent coming in. You've got your costs going out all the way through. So it's easy to put that on a spreadsheet. And most banks actually download it in a CSV file, which yeah. can be put on a spreadsheet. So you can just sort it out. At the end of the year, then, you sort it out. You've got, there's my income. There's my outgoings, there's the finance, there's the maintenance, there's the charges, um, there's separate categories for the for the the, the schedule aid return. Um and, and you put them all into these individual categories, HMRC tell you what falls in each category, and then you just present that to your accountant, and your accountant goes, Great, I'll just file the the company accounts. That's it. 200 quid. Easy to do. Yeah. And then they do your tax as well for you at the same time. That's probably what yeah. it costs. I think a lot of people feel a bit don't I feel like that's a daunting uh, process and a lot of, quite a lot of people leave it to the last minute but mm. really if, if you keep yourself right throughout the year it's a fairly simple it's an easy like gig. you say present it to your accountant and let them, let them easy gig. if anybody wants a wee um, refresher about that i'm happy to do that on some show later on if, it, if there's a if there's a mass demand for it we'll do it yeah okay but yeah um, so the change the changes in mortgage interest rate 
uh, interest relief, uh, make it even more important than ever that your property's income and its yeah. occupancy rates are at peak performance. And that's something that's always at the forefront for me as a letting agent and managing properties and things is um, the credit control rate and the occupancy rate are so important key elements of having a successful buy to let and portfolio. So like I say, guys, feel free to reach out to me and speak to me if any of you have an issue with the, uh, these kind of uh, elements of your buy to let portfolio and that is having a detrimental effect to you, i.e. Mary, like you say, exactly why you're selling up after 20 years. Feel free to reach out yeah. to me. And then that brings up income tax. So just, yeah. like regular, just like a regular job, um, you pay income tax on rental property you receive. Um, on the rental income you see, but there's some differences in how you pay it and how you can reduce your bill. Now, as a landlord, you only pay tax on your net rental income, uh, which means the total income minus the allow any allowable expenses. And you can actually find tips uh, galore on here um, on our previous landlord tax tips. And um, we've got a link on this for the people on TikTok and Instagram. Actually, you won't have this link. Um, so again, go to our YouTube channel and look up the um, income tax updates. And the one that we've just done today. So this is literally um, the income tax updates today. And you say there, so, Jim, as well. Sorry to interrupt. You say there, Jim, about allowable um, minus allowable expenses. Now, that includes your management fees and things for an agent. There's a huge amount of allowable expenses you can get. You can get you can, So you don't actually need, it doesn't need to cost you to have an allowable expense. And, and right. it sounds a bit daft, but if you're, if you're self-managing, okay, or, or even if you're not self-managing, if you're actually having to visit your buy-to-lets and you've got a managing agent doing it for you, but you're having to nip up your buy-to-lets now and again because you do maintenance for it, okay? The cost of you doing the maintenance, in other words, the materials, and also the travel, um, you could charge your travel as a tax deduction at 45 pence a mile because that's the that's the rate from the inland yeah. revenue. So you can charge it at 45 pence a mile. So if it takes you 10 miles and 10 miles, 20 miles, you can you can, you can can put that as a deduction. So 20 times uh, 0.45, you've got nine pound of deduction. Now, if you do that uh, 50 weeks of the year or 52 weeks, then it's 468. So when you calculate your tax uh, and then you're having to do that um, every, every week because you were doing something on the property over a period of time because um, you were doing the maintenance, You've got your materials you're able to deduct, which is understandable. You, you you deduct that against your normal bank account. But these are costs you probably have on your own car because you only be buying a car for this. It's on your own car. So once you've calculated your profit for tax, then you calculate, the, uh, you take off the 468 off that profit for tax, then that's your taxable profit. Yeah. See that's what I mean? Yeah. You don't actually, the 468 isn't something you spend or anything else. It's just probably your own personal income that you're using. If you're, having pocket, to use, yeah. if you're having to use a mobile phone because it's specifically for your uh, property um, business and it's for it, it's exclusively, wholly exclusively for your property business, you can deduct that as well against your against your, um, against your your profits of your property business because it's for your property business um, yeah, before sure it's taxable. So, or if you're using your personal phone, there's a certain allowance you can deduct as well. So, for example, if you're using your personal phone um, for your uh, property business, and you're maybe using, you can you can assess um, maybe you're using it twenty percent of the time. Um, so your total bill for the year is maybe twenty pound a month. So your total bill for the year is twenty quid a month, two hundred and forty. Ten uh, percent, you're twenty four quid, and it's no much. But if you've only got one buy to let and you're using 20% of the time and it's 24 quid, it's 24 quid, it's no taxable anymore. So you see how the 468 
and then the 24 quid. And then, you know, the next minute you're a thousand pound off. And if you've only got one property and this is what you're having to do, then effectively you're going to be arguing the case that even though you made a thousand pound in profit, none of that's taxable. Yeah. Because the extras that you've had to put in your own pocket is part of proportionate part of your own personal use, uh, which is allocated to the company, to the or, or to the to the entity of the buy to let. You can argue successfully that these were having to be allowable expenses against you doing your job. So I did that. I did that in the early days before I had everything exclusively for there. I was able to deduct um, certain amounts uh, against it. I, I've also got uh, you know. For one of my properties, uh, property businesses, I've got consultancy fees. Um, I deduct yeah. because because um, I, I'm not exclusively wholly for that business, and I don't. Mm -hmm. I just consult with that business, and um, so I'm a consultant. At it, that's it. Yeah. In a nutshell. Um, so there's 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 other ways to do that which are wholly and exclusively deductible, I would say. But again, speak to an accountant. It's just because don't take my word for it. Go and check, like what I said before. Because the last thing you want to do is start deducting stuff without any prior knowledge about what you're actually doing. And then the inland revenue turns around to you in about six years. Uh, actually, the inland revenue could turn around to you in 30 years' time. Yeah. In 30 years time. And what happens is the six-year rule. So if they find something inaccurate in your accounts over the previous six years, they can then take that point. Say it was in year five. They can go back six years from year five. So they're now back 11 years. If they find something in year... 10, they can go back six years from there. So they're going back 16 years now. So the next minute, you're nailed for 30 years of tax. That's, that's yeah, tax evasion. Yeah. They can, they that's not, that's that not a position evasion. you want to end up Yeah. I was going to say tax avoidance, but it's not. They could class that as tax evasion, that you deliberately yeah. did that. So that's the one thing. Um, I, always, I was always taught as an accountant, ignorance of the law is no excuse when it comes to HMRC. And never mess with unlearned revenue. They've got more powers than the police. Or, sorry, the customs and excise. Inland revenue don't, but the customs and excise have more powers than the police. That's the people that used to beat up the bootleggers and the smugglers. Way back in the 1600s, 1500s. You used to basically get clubs and kill them <laughs> for, for smuggling booze <laughs> and stuff into the country. That's the, that's the customs and excise. They've still got all these powers today, by the way. Um, I know they don't use them. No, no clubbing people with okay. it, but yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing they used to do in the 1300s, you know, when the, when the customs and excise or whenever it started, whenever they were, that's the type of things they used to do. They used to, they used to basically just kill people, and that was it. More powers than the police. Wow. Anyway, yeah. on a TV note. Yeah, so <laughs> obviously income tax, I mean, if you also have income from another source, like obviously your work, savings invest uh, investments etc you include everything in your tax return and anything already paid for example obviously payee is automatically deducted yeah yeah and unlike payee tax for rental income isn't due until nine months after the tax year ends uh, each april so you could set money aside to earn interest until january 31st payment deadline if you're savvy enough and use that money um, to reinvest in property with the prospect that you know you're going to make the money to pay your tax bill by year, uh, yeah. by the month, month nine anyway, or whenever it is. Um, if you're in a limited company, it's a, it's a different scenario, I think. Uh, yeah, it probably is month nine there. But if you're in your own name, yes, you're on the 31st of January payment deadline for the, mm -hmm. for the following year. 
So your your tax um, year and your own name is the end of well, it's, 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 actually, it's the fifth of it's April. It's the 5th. So it's the fifth of April. Everybody says the thirty first of March, but it's fifth of April. That's the tax end year end, and and the you're allowed up you're from that tax bill. You have to pay your final tax bill and tell the Inland Revenue how much your calculation is by the thirty first of January the following year. Now, if you want the tax man to calculate your tax bill for you and submit you can submit your details before then i think it's before september of the same year and the inland revenue will calculate your tax bill for you so you don't need to get an accountant to calculate your tax if you want if you want to submit it early and they calculate your tax bill for you and if you submit all the numbers to them and they do that and send it back and say that's what you're due if you go beyond that you have to get somebody you have to submit it and calculate it for them and do the work for them or you can get an accountant to do it for you as well um, mm -hmm. Instantly enough, somebody said buy, uh, buy to let dead at the minute. It's not buy to let's not dead at all. Um, buy to let's still going very, very strong. Yeah. You may think it's dead because that's the impression that people give. And it's, I'm happy yeah, for them to give that. Yeah. I'm happy for people to say that buy to let's dead. So go about saying that to everybody. Put everybody off because it makes me more valuable to the government. Um, it makes me more valuable because I've got more stock. Therefore, everybody else is selling. And if I'm the only kid on the block, how much power do you think I've got? Yeah, that's fine. So it's the it's the people that stay here for the longer. I've I've seen it come and go before, all the time. You know when they did landlord registration, everybody says, "Oh no, it's going to all be over. Landlord registration, we're all going to be taken to task. We're all going to be struck off the register. They don't want us. They hate us." Does that sound a familiar story? Yeah, it's exactly the same as what's happening now. It's like I've been here before. It's 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 just another day. It's a it's a new day. It's a new dawn. There's a song there somewhere. A new day, new dawn. <laughs> and I'm feeling good. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Is that tickle you, Jimmy? Yeah, I'm actually feeling good because it's true. It's vital. It is still going strong. Definitely. Uh, you recommend you recommend an accountant that would do the tax. Uh, I use Patterson Boyd in yeah. uh, Leaven and Fife and Glenrothes there and as well. Glenrothes, yeah. Now, I'll be honest, I, uh, you know, in terms of Patterson Boyd, they don't know too much about buy to let. There's very, very rarely do any accountants know because it is not a specific specialist subject for anyone in particular. So it's very rare to get somebody that's like that. But I, the amount of knowledge and the amount of um, expertise I've probably imparted on them about what I know and what they don't know means that they're probably up to speed to, to a yeah, degree, yeah. Um, I would say, because there, there's the scenarios I run them through all the time. What if I did this? How would the tax end up at the end of the year? What if I did that? How would my tax bill end up at the end of the year? What if I did, if, if I moved this and I moved that and I paid from here and I did from here? Um, how would the tax bill end up at the end of, at the end of the year? Now, this is right universally across the whole uh, equation. Uh, the key here is you don't really avoid. Now, this is where people don't understand this. You don't have you ultimately a wealthy person doesn't avoid paying tax at all. OK, they individually might avoid paying little. They might individually might pay little tax, which is what they're what they're after. But overall, with the assets they own, they pay almost just the same amount of tax. Yeah. Because it, 
even because they're not taking out the limited company, therefore the limited companies having to pay the tax on it, on the income. And that's the that's the thing. So so this impression that wealthy people pay no tax and it's not fair is not accurate, is not an accurate reflection of what actually happens. It's they pay the tax, but they pay it through their limited corporate yeah. companies. That's how they pay it. So I'll pay, oh, I must pay about oh well, well over a hundred and two hundred thousand in tax or something like that. Yeah. But but I don't pay I pay hardly anything in my own name. Because the reality is I don't want to pay tax in my own name because it means uh, that money I'm getting taxed on, I'm going to want to reinvest back into my company. So I'm going to get taxed on it and then I'm going to have to put it back in. Well, yeah. why don't I just leave it in the company and it gets taxed at a That's lower fair. rate than I would because I get taxed at a higher rate because mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a long term, it's a long game for me. So you leave it in the company, and the company get taxed at the corporate rate, which is now 25%. Yeah. But if it comes out and goes into your name, and you're taking it as PYE, you get taxed at 40% if you're, if you're taking out a lot. Or if you otherwise take it out as dividends, you can get taxed at, I think it's 8.75%, with no national insurance contributions. That's a good way to do it. However, do it. Yeah. however, however, you still have to pay 25% corporation tax on that dividend. But you don't pay it. The company pays it. Because yeah, the yeah. dividends are deductible against their income, against their profits. So if the company makes 100,000, okay, you can take out 100,000 and be taxed at the 40% on probably 60 grand. Yeah. Or you can be taxed at 25% on the 100,000, and then you can take the 100,000 out of dividend and get taxed at 875 if you go over a certain amount in dividends, by the way, you get taxed at 33%. So there's, you don't want to go too high. But then you could also pay money into your pension to bring that taxation liability down to basic rate again. Again, that's another thing. And we've, yes. got, we've got other tax shows on that. It tells you how to do yeah, that. We have. We've covered that. And I think with income tax, just to finish, obviously, the, the key is to minimise your bill and claiming back every last allowable expense so make sure you keep all those receipts or like jim says keep it all in the one bank account separately if you've got the limited company and it makes it all nice and neat and easy to transfer and hand to your account but let's yeah. move on to unless you did you have a question coming through there no, jim, you I, want to cover? Them, um, i've got lenders are killing on stress testing yeah quite rightly so i mean why would they not want to stress test you why would you not want to stress test yourself so see, that's a very important all the time I stress yeah. myself at like 14%. So when I go into a deal, I know exactly I'm going to be able to weather any storm going because I'm stress testing at about 14% at if some point. If you don't stress test, you could leave you over. Yeah, and this is called risk analysis and sensitivity yeah. analysis about how things change. If you change certain uh, criteria like the occupancy rate, like the interest rate, like the rental value, um, the rental level, then how will that come out in the bottom line and what, what tolerances have you got before you actually break even? That's what stress testing is all about. So I stress yeah. test even more than the bank stress testers. Uh, interesting enough, you said about the EPC regs will kill it as well. I don't think the EPC regs will kill it at all. I actually think it, they'll not be as um, they'll not be as damning as possible on it. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll yeah. not be draconian about the whole thing. It's like a lot of people will have to comply with the EPC regs, and I think I've seen it all before. You know, it's like, we'll either get there and they'll kick the can down the road and say it's no possible to get everybody to comply at the same time, so yeah. we can't police it. Or we can't police it, and we're just going to say, look, you know, please do it when you need to do it. And if, if we do catch it, look, could you just get it done? 
I think it's going to be a really difficult thing to police um, and get people to that level. But I mean, some properties, are, uh, it's easy to get to that level, others not so much. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And like you say, Jim, it might get kicked, the car might get kicked down the road. Interesting, the mortgage will come at the end of the term. Yes, they probably will remortgage again anyway and just go into another deal. Speak to your lender, existing lender about it, or speak to your mortgage broker about yeah. it, more than likely. I think you can get mortgages in your own name up to about 85 year old. Um, I think you should get them beyond death, to be honest. Because the reality is, for a, for a lender, right if you've no got if you've no got any liability and if you've no got any um, any risk involved in the mortgage, then why would you bother if the person's going to die early? You know, and I don't mean it in a, in a nasty sense. I mean, no. you know, as as a bank, it's like you know, oh, we're only doing it up to eighty five in case you kick the bucket before then, and yeah. or, or at that time because that's the average age. Well, why not just do it to a hundred? You know your mortgage because if you go by eight to five, you've probably worked it out. You're going to have a huge amount of equity in the deal anyway, which is about sixty percent loan to value. Mm-hmm. So, as a, as a as a mortgage a mortgage holder, it's like what risk are you taking? The person passes away, the probate goes in, and you get your money because you've got you've got a you've got a um, first charge on the property. Why would you bother? There's no risk. Yeah, that's true. So that's where I think it is. Like, let's move on to capital gains tax. Yeah, capital gains tax. So unlike selling your, your personal property, whenever you sell a rental property as a private landlord, you pay capital gains tax on the profit. There are uh, recent and upcoming changes to how this gets calculated. So let's have a look at them, Jim. Yeah. So the, the annual personal capital gains allow, uh, tax allowance from April 2023 is 6000 yeah, down from yeah. the previous twelve thousand, we've covered that a few times. And, and so, can I just quickly cover about the yeah. annual personal loans is six thousand now? If you're married Absolutely, and you have a yeah. spouse, you can both have six thousand pound. Mm-hmm. So, at this point in time, if you've got one property, you're thinking I need to transfer it because I've got a limited company now. So, when I first started, all of it was in our own names, and then yeah. I got to a point where it was like we were going to be higher rate taxpayers now. So, I went, I'm going to need to form a limited company. So I started buying all the properties in my limited company from then on to hedge everything. So I was only paying corporation tax on it. And lo and behold, you know, it was a great idea because obviously it came along and all the changes happened. And I went, oh, I've got a limited company already. Um, yeah. um, but the, the key here is you can still transfer some of your properties. You'll have to pay 6% ADS, yeah. but you'll still get the capital gains allowance if, you make a, if you've got a capital gains on it because you'll get six grand in your name and you get six grand in your 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 uh, spouse's name mm-hmm. um so you'll get twelve thousand overall now i was using the twelve thousand in both our names over the last three or four years to transfer a lot of properties into my limited companies without having to pay capital gains because i was getting generous allowances plus yeah. i was using the 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 six at a time to avoid ads as well so that was my strategy and now that's beginning that's gone now so that next year i think it's going to go down to three thousand um but yeah, in April 2024, the personal allowance will reduce to, to three about this, didn't we? Now, if yep. anybody had caught our show back in 2020, was that? Or It'd 2019? Time, yeah. yeah, we talked about the budget of office, respons- office responsibility, identified that capital gains, if it was if it was a, the allowance, taking away the allowance and actually reducing it, would actually make it, would bring 18 billion in, in extra tax revenue into the exchequer. And that's why they would do it. So you need to start doing that strategy now. And that's when I started for that very reason, because I knew the writing was on the wall and it was coming. So if you were lucky enough to listen to our shows, 
all these years ago and actually took heed of that, which is very yeah. few people actually do this. Um, it's like when I when I phoned everybody about and says, buy stock in this company, buy stock in this company. There was one person, about 100 people I phoned, that bought stock in that company. And I made 60 grand in three months. Good. Yeah. And he made he made about 20,000 in three months as well. And I phoned him up and says, I'm now selling. And he went, okay, I'm selling as well. <laughs> and, and yet, 90 and any other people didn't bother. And it's like, oh my God, you missed the boat. Should have listened. Really? Yeah, should have listened. That's what bought my place in Spain. <laughs> Paid for my furniture as well. <laughs> anyway, apart from that, um, yes, pin. Uh, cheers, Jim. I'll catch you at the pin on Thursday. I am at the pin yeah. meeting, which is the property network. It probably is the only one time I will ever appear on anybody else's stage ever. I'm not remotely interested. Lindsay caught me at a really good time, vulnerable <laughs> time probably, um, and said, how would you like to come along and speak on the pin stage, the property investor stage in Edinburgh? And I went, okay, then, you know, throw myself in my comfort zone, go and talk on somebody else's stage. And so, so I'll, I'll be appearing at the pin, yeah, on the, this Thursday coming. The, the Thursday, yeah, Thursday Th coming. Thursday coming, yeah. Yeah, Thursday coming. I'll be I'll be teaching people. I'll be teaching. I'm not lecturing. Um, there'll be a wee bit of talking about what my track record and all the rest of it and where I am and what everybody's doing. But I'll more than likely be teaching for the 45 minutes. Yeah. So this is a session that people will probably charge a £1,000 for, and I'm going to be doing it for free. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to be doing it for free, 45 minutes of my time. Uh, and I'm joining, you're coming along with me, Richard, as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm coming, yeah. So that's at the pin, at the Edinburgh pin. Uh, so just look that up, uh, Lindsay Yule, uh, Edinburgh pin, and uh, part of Simon Dushy's uh, Investors Network, uh, Property Investors Network. Anyway, let's go back to this capital gains. Uh, down to 3,000 next year. Uh, you can set numerous expenses. I think you said, Richard, your capital gains built in your cell, including buying and selling costs, uh, you, like the stamp duty, the legal fees, the state commission, as well as improvements that weren't claimed as repairs. Um, that's improvements like, uh, for example, um, in the early days, um, it used to be, if, well, for example, if you put a shower over a bath and the shower was never there before and the shower cost you £2,000 to install over the bath, I know it's a big amount, and you would buy, what, £2,000? Uh, you might actually wet wallet. So you might end up wet walling it and all this. Yeah. That might be where it, how it costs £2,000. That £2,000 technically is a capital improvement. It's not a revenue expense that you can deduct straight away. Inland revenue is never going to find it if you do deduct it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> they're, no, they're not like, oh, they've, they've taken that off. It's like, how are they going to know? It's, yeah. But this is the thing about if they do an investigation, it opens a can of worms and then... And it could lead to park. That's yeah. why you've got to be whiter than white when you get into this um, and make sure, you, make sure ignorance of the law is no excuse, remember. So yeah. that technically, because it's new is on a capital improvement. If it's a revenue expense, a revenue expense is where you you trade like for like. For example, I've got a kitchen, I'm gonna rip it out, I'm gonna put a new kitchen in. It's gonna be more or less the same type of kitchen, then that is a revenue expense deductible straight away. That's the difference. So revenue expense, like for like, changing over. Um, capital expense, you're putting something there for the first time except when it comes to double glazing. Yeah, single glazing, double glazing. Single glazing, double glazing with sing, uh, single glazing with double glazing, that is still a revenue expense. So if you're wanting to mitigate your tax by the end of the tax year, because you've now worked out your tax bill in February, 
um, it's going to be coming at the end of the tax year, and you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, I need to bring my tax bill down a bit. I'm going to bring some of my scheduled improvements or my scheduled um, repairs and improvements forward and start doing them earlier in this tax year in order to bring my tax down to maybe the lower rate threshold. This is the key. See, I'm doing this. I've worked yeah. out now that this is just going to push me to a higher rate. I'm either going to put a personal co a contribution to my pension to bring me back to the lower rate tax, or I'm going to bring forward some repairs and improvements that I'm going to do in this tax year in order to bring that down to the lower rate when it works out overall. And then it smooths it out, so I'm paying lower rate tax every single year in terms mm -hmm. of my funding. Um, that's the way to do it. And and, and capital gains, um, then it won't apply to capital gains. It will apply to your normal day-to-day -day profits. Yeah, that's good. And the thing about capital gains as well is, it, well, the useful thing is capital gains rules are the same in England, Scotland, Wales. So for portfolios that cover maybe if you do have property that's well, maybe all over the country, then you you could apply the same calculations and things to your capital gains. Yeah, it's yeah, a universal yeah. thing. Um, yeah. Corporation tax. Let's talk about corporation tax. Love yeah, that's corporation tax. Yeah. Corporate tax is brilliant. Uh, you know, limited companies float my boat right now, <laughs> especially when it comes to especially when it comes to moving um uh, money. That's all I'm gonna yeah. say. And it's perfectly legal. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, unlike private landlords then who pay income tax and capital gains tax and things, limited companies pay corporation tax, which covers both rental income and profits for from selling assets. So the changes in corporation tax in April 2023, which was this mm -hmm. year, mean that companies now pay a, a gradually higher rate depending on how much they earn using different tiers, Jim. So explain that to us. Okay, so profits up to 50,000, um, mm -hmm. you pay corporation tax at the small profits rate of 19% still. So if you're earning up to 50,000, okay. you're still there. Now, and I could hear most of the buy to let people out there and even everybody run their own companies going, wait a minute, I'll just start another limited company. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't work. They pull everything together. So if you've got one limited company earning up to £50,000, you're paying 19%. You think you could start another company in your own name, 19%. That's pulled in under the small company's rules and therefore you're pulled together, together. you're paying 25%. Um, or or the marginal rate in between, so it gets pulled together a bit like um, a bit like the rates system. Mm -hmm. So if you own several properties in your own name in terms of commercial properties, you're pulled together for the rates total rather than actually just the individuals. Because you go, oh, I'll be getting away with small business rates relief on every single property. No, you won't because they're all in your name. So it's pulled together as one, and you'll pay on the the big amount. So if your rates bill ends up being, if your rates amount ends up being £30,000, you'll be paying rates on every single property. How do I know that? Because I fell foul of that when I first started. I've been there, done that. <laughs> it's like, God, why did I do that? It's like, I should have spoke to somebody beforehand. But but there was nobody out there at that time to to tell me that was that was the rules. Um, so that's that's the rules in terms of, Corporation tax. You, you, if you're under fifty thousand pounds, you'll get away with up to ninety percent. You'll get nineteen percent uh, corporation tax. If you've got several limited companies, they'll be put together, and that'll be assessed on the total amount uh, in terms of profits. So the net, over, yeah, it was over fifty, 50 then. to two hundred fifty thousand initially attracts twenty five percent, but it can be reduced with marginal relief 
and I've, we've put a link again. Yeah. Apologies to the people. You can't get it on TikTok. You can't get it on um, Instagram because we're streaming live on these channels and they don't allow all that content on there. Go to our YouTube channel. Just go to our website page. If you go yeah. to our homepage on our website, down in the blog, you click on yeah. that, uh, the, it will be there, the blog, for this uh, show itself. This will be on here again. The podcast will be on here for this as well. But all the detail we're discussing here, all the script that we've got right here, this is all this. That we've done all the script so far. Uh, you won't obviously get my personal knowledge in here because it's only a four-minute read. Uh, but the basic fundamental details, there is a link to the marginal relief system for the HMRC on that post itself on our website in the blog. Yeah. So there's a marginal relief. And then profits exceeding 250000 uh, pay corporation tax at 25%. This is what I'm talking about. So if you've got five individual companies earning 50000 in profit each, you'll be taxed to 25% on every single one of them. There'll be no small rate relief, and there'll be marginal rate relief either. It'll be 25% on the whole shooting march right across the board. So there's a lot involved in only a, a company with corporation tax. There's also VAT returns. Yep. But you necessarily don't necessarily... VAT, and right, private residential renting does not attract VAT at all. You don't get a deduction for VAT either. So don't kid yourself if you think you've got a company that owns... It runs commercially as a maybe selling widgets, but you're also it owns residential property. Don't try and kid yourself and try and claim the VAT on stuff that you're doing for residential property against your normal mainstream selling widgets. What? Because yeah. it's it's tax evasion. And it's and remember the customs and excise are the people that have the VAT. And remember what I said in the beginning about oh, what the customs and excise. Yeah. Call me a death. <laughs> I've been a smuggler. <laughs> um, so that's the type of things that the VAT man will get you for. But there is a there is a threshold, remember. I mean, I've got consultancy with my limited company, one of my limited companies, and I have the, and, and they own residential property, but my consultancy fees are less than the VAT threshold. Therefore, I don't I don't get charged and I don't take VAT on anything for that reason. I don't want to get charged VAT. It's like if you get charged VAT, then you're in the realms of God, another return, another unpaid tax collector system to, to run for the HMRC. So we do run VAT in some of the other companies because obviously we're selling widgets. Um, but some of the some of the other companies own do not have they're not VATable at all for that very reason. Um, because they don't they don't qualify to be VAT registered. Um, and also the there's also annual accounts to do. So unless you really love paperwork. Um, and know the tax law inside out, um, we do recommend hiring an accountant to, to yeah. manage these for you. Um, but the, as I said before, we'll come back to saying the basic day-to-day -day stuff that you do with your company can actually just be put in a spreadsheet and or downloaded from your from your bank online because they know that. They could be straight downloaded into QuickBooks or into Sage. I mean, I use... I, I started off in the very beginning uh, with Sage Instant Accounting. So in the very beginning, I started with Sage Instant Accounting. It was basically 100 quid to buy it for the year. You did, it was not a, a, a constant one all the time. It was just Sage Instant Accounting. You had on one laptop. So I used to use that all the time. And I just used to take my bank statements and I used to process them. You know, I used to just put all the transactions from my bank statement into Sage. Yeah, and then put so, But the great thing about that is when I hit a button, it told me my profit and loss. And it told me my balance sheet. And it told me my, my trial balance as well. I didn't need to do anything else. It was brilliant. 
And then I was able to send that to my accountant and they would do the return for the tax and that at the end of the year. And it would be minimal charge from them because they're not doing the day-to-day -day numpty stuff, which I'm doing. Yeah. Now I've got to the point where I've got Sage like 50, which is multi-company structure and several, you know, people, I've got a bookkeeper, I've got two bookkeepers yeah. as well as myself. And we operate that on a remote basis. So they're virtual assistants. Um, yeah. one's, one lives at the other side of Fife and one lives over the other side of the West Coast. And we go online and we, we do all the transactions individually ourselves that we need to do. And that updates all in real time because it's a multi-company structure. And we can choose one of the six or seven different companies we've got and just go into that individually at, different, at, at the same time and work on work on the accounts. So that's where I am right now. So I started off in the very beginning with that, and then now I'm at a multi-company structure. Um, and there's other ones. There's no QuickBooks, there's Zero. there's, you know, there's there's loads of ones out there that you can yeah, get. Yeah, Marcus is saying Zero there. So, but more, more importantly, you know, speak to a really good accountant on what they're doing and how they're doing it. Yeah, and I think that is, that is a really important thing is when it comes to tax and is to have your a really good accountant, accountant involved. But like you say, Jim, to do things as you go as well saves you all that hassle at the end of the year trying to. You I mean you get these people who run about and trying to get everything together, and yeah. it's just you don't need to be in that position if you do things kind of methodically as you go through throughout the year. Yeah, and that's us. I think that's yeah, the end. That of it. is us. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, us. and I think for me. For me, staying on top of your tax rules and, and uh, lettings law and things and the performance of your property is really an essential part of being a landlord and an investor. Um, if you love the show today, please reach out to me if you've got any questions. My contact details are in the, the blog that, that's attached to the, the show today. The people on Instagram is richardcook at fiveproperties.co.uk. Yeah. So richard.cook at fiveproperties.co.uk. Yeah. Um, or you can just call you direct it, probably any of us. If you put an inquiry yeah. in, um, ideally. Yeah. And that's I've, stuck, I've stuck my mobile number in the blog as well. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. That was brilliant. Uh, thanks for all your insights into tax, Jim, because I know people get a wee bit daunted by it, but uh, that was good yeah, to hear. <laughs> I know it. you do. I know. Love and it. Uh, thanks for everyone for your interactions this morning. <laughs> uh, and that's us. So uh, okay. I'll let you all go. Right, See thanks. you later, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.